busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Who got a dime? That's the kind of grandbaby I am. Listen, you're probably going to hear me talk about this a lot, but uh, real talk, the assessments that I've just taken about myself, personality, how I deal with my personal life, how I deal in the work environment has literally changed my life. Because anything that allows you the opportunity to learn more about you, you are then better able to position yourself in the most optimum things in life. So if you know can't have peanut butter, you know, and you know not to go to no ice cream shop that's just filled with peanut butter, if you know, listen, uh, allergic to this particular kind of animal, then you know not to position yourself in those things so then when you start learning things about your personality about your characteristics you then know "Mm, I work best in this kind of situation I thrive best in this kind of relationship I am better equipped when I am anything that allows you to play to your strengths in life is an automatic win for me I just look at it like, bruh, they literally just told you the secret sauce to your recipe. Go ahead and serve it to your shrimps. And another thing about assessments is that it does tell you what you're not so great in, and that's fine. But I feel like that is also something to really hone in on because then again, you know, I don't work well in this environment. I don't do well with that kind of personality. And no, that's not going to work because of A, B, and C. So I'll give you an example about me. I learned, and I kind of knew, but you know how when something is phrased a different way, you like, ah, that's what it is. I learned that I thrive best in structured environments. I am a to-do list girl, have always been. I'm a budgeter girl, have always been. I am a task list girl. I'm very driven by, okay, this is the way we do a thing. I like to put my own spin on it, but I like to know this is what you put in this column. This is what you do in that column. Like it was to the point that if a, when we were in the pandemic heavy, when there was a sign that said mask required and people were coming in with no mask and no one was saying anything, I low-key had a twitching left eye because the rule follower in me that I've always said, you know, I'm a rule follower and I'm that kind of grandbaby, is literally me identifying I like structure. And when someone says to do a thing or not to do a thing or this is how we're going to go ahead and whatever it is, when you set out a expectation or understanding I now look at it like that's how we have to operate until further notice so if I plan to go somewhere okay this is where I plan to go this is the whatever route that I plan to take unless my husband and I or whoever I'm with decided okay let's recalculate let's do something different and so I have really been just kind of excited and kind of looking back at life kind of 
reflecting on like, ah, oh, that's why that situation didn't work for me. That's why that job didn't work for me. No, 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 no. I don't, everybody can't do one task all these different ways. What's the right way to do something? And I actually had the conversation with my husband. I said, I truly believe in my heart that there's a right way to do every single thing on earth. And he was like, uh, what do you mean? I said, I believe that there's a right way. And I started naming all these particular categories. He was like, some of that you may want to keep to yourself because it can come off judgmental. Oh, no. Hear me clear. I'm not saying I do everything right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not in these streets looking like somebody's perfected grandbaby. Not at all. I'm saying that I believe that there's a right way to do something. My idea of right may be a little screwed in somebody else's opinion, but right to me means what's the most efficient, stress-free, uncostly way to get to a place. And I am very clear that some of the ways that I've gotten to my uh, (laughs) destinations were not, okay, the best way to get there. And so I'm really clear on when something looks like a waste of time, energy, or money. If it includes any of those three, I am not interested. Very few far in between do situations arise that I'm like, you know what, I'm baffled because I feel like from the information that was given to me that that was actually done in a matter that I cannot see a better way to have done that. Very, very seldomly, right? And so what I've learned now is God is rattling that part of me. God is rattling the part of me that is so destination driven that I want to get to a place and I want to get, you know, I want to aspire. I want to conquer. I want to, which is also another part of my assessment. I have a high need for achievement. I love to conquer, to get to the next best thing, whether it's in my career, whether my education. I love learning. I love all things feed me Seymour. And so now I'm in this space that I have to redefine what conquering looks like. And it's really taking me for a loop. I ain't going to hold you. I'm not even going to try to come on here with my button, my shirt button all the way. I literally am like, oh, I don't like this, but I do realize that I'm going to have to shift this a little bit. What happens when God comes alongside you after so many years of operating a certain way or realizing, you know what, this is true about me. And he says, I love that about you, but I want to shake that about you. And it's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, you're wanting to follow a rule. You're wanting to do things the right way, the most efficient way, a more, you know, more excellent way to do a thing. I love that about you, but I want to shake some of that perspective. Because sometimes delays are divine. Sometimes delays are driven because there's a bigger purpose than you being destination driven and I was like I don't like that God and this is just me being a truthful grandbaby at this point judge me not okay I don't like that because if I planned to get a in my career you know in 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 my whatever fill in the blank I want to get there timely or early you know however you want to do it but being delayed 
is not my favorite color and I don't really want to buy any um, merchandise that reflects that color. And God was like, I understand that, but I also need you to know that you're living out my perfect will for your life. And so sometimes I may delay a thing because I have a divine intervention waiting on the other side of that. And I ain't going to hold you. I kind of felt like Jacob real quick before he got renamed Israel and got tapped on his hip. I was like, mm, it's a little bit of a wrestling. Okay. I mean, not, not, not too heavy. Cause you know, my arms too short to box with the Lord, but something just enough to go. Oh, I can identify that. I don't like that, but I can also realize that I'm wise enough to say, then teach me what you want me to learn. Because as of right now, um, yeah, I'm, I'm baffled. I can't, I'm, I ain't gonna hold you Lord. And he was like, cool. Um, right away. We not, I'm going to jump right into it. I want to read Acts chapter 16. When I read this, I had a little bit of sand left on my eyebrows and places on my face because the slap that the Holy Spirit did with his sandal yeah, it left a, it left a quite a bit of grainage on my face. And I was like, you literally have changed my entire perspective on destinations. And he was like, cool. Then I want you to go ahead and, and tell the other grandbabies. And I said, I got you. So this is so potent that I actually just want um, the Bible app, okay, great, to go ahead and read it for us, and then we're going to come back and read it as a family because the nectar thereof, I want you, I, I just, I need you to dissect by yourself first. The one thing that I want you to keep in mind as you're listening to this is the running anthem that I used to have in my mind, but I have somewhere to go, but I have somewhere to go. I set out to do a thing, and I have somewhere to go. I want you to keep that theme while you hear this. You ready? Okay, let's go ahead and listen to this real quick. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! 
We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Listen to me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to break it down to you the way the Holy Spirit did me. Let's just break it down, literally. Where was Paul and Silas on their way to? according to what we just listened to. Hmm? Do you remember? Okay, so it literally starts off with saying that they were on their way to prayer, okay? It opens up on verse 16 and says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, did they ever get there? Probably, but you know what kept happening? Um, a girl had to keep shouting, okay? So the destination was never to to even be in the mix with her. The destination was to go to this place of prayer, to go ahead and worship the Lord. Can you imagine or have you ever been on the right path to do the right thing but was introduced to some things that were trying to get you off of your path? Can you imagine going down to doing exactly what you were called to do, exactly what God wanted you to do, and you got somebody pretty much heckling you in the spirit? So you know what? After a while, Paul, that grandbaby didn't have enough patience. He was like, look, I'm not even going to play this game no more because I'm over it, Kay. I'm going to go ahead and just say to the demon, it says in verse 18, this went on day after day. Until Paul got so exasperated. Bro, how tired do you have to be to be exasperated? That's a different type of tired. You ever, you ever heard somebody say, hey, how you doing? I'm exasperated. No one even uses that word. So if the Bible decided, let me go ahead and pick from Merriam-Webster in the depths thereof and use exasperated, then bro had to be tired. You understand? I'm talking about over it. The O, the V, the E, the R, the it. Okay, sir, ma'am, over it. So Paul got so exasperated, he turned to her and to the demon and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly and left her. Now, pause. Let's put our finger on there real quick. That's something right there. How many of us would have uh, went head to head with old girl? Has something to say? Probably even put some pause on her. Okay, great. Lay hands and we not praying. Hmm. So many of us are in realms in our lives and we are fighting people when we don't realize that there is a spiritual application, a spiritual root to that. I am so glad that the Bible didn't read that Paul turned around and was like, shut up. I'm tired of you, woman. Um, he didn't even address her. He addressed the demon in her. You so busy cursing out people. Hmm. I'm sorry, curfew getting too early. Okay, great. You so busy going off on people. You so used to getting frustrated with people. You so irritated with the shell of a person that you don't even realize that there's an operating battery in the spiritual realm that is causing that to happen. And you know what, to be honest, reading this too fast, would I would have looked right over that. Because this woman, she wasn't saying anything that was crazy. 
It wasn't like she was like, oh, y'all smelly. I bet y'all. She wasn't saying anything bad. You know what she was saying that was exasperating? These men are servants of the most high God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Real quick, what's terrible about that? What was so terrible that it was exasperating? And and that's another thing. Sometimes demonic presences can be candid coated to look like something good. Sometimes demonic presences are in the silhouette of something that appears good. Because in and of itself, that doesn't appear bad. That doesn't even appear demonic. These men, verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. What is demonic about that? How did Paul even identify that it was demonic or that it was a demon within her? You know what I want to just kind of go on the ledge and say it's the fruit of of what comes out of an action. So this woman saying that was probably uprooting and causing an uproar where they were at. Because when they went ahead and got arrested, uh, what did her, her master say? These men are teaching stuff. So you had to have caused enough commotion for the fruit of that not to be godly. How many times... Are you overshadowing something, overlooking something, giving something a pass because it doesn't appear to be wrong? It doesn't appear to be rude. It doesn't appear to be a demonic presence when all along you are not paying attention to the root that it is producing. I wanted you to catch that fruit because I guarantee that there are certain demonic people and presence and things that are around you closer than what they should. And you cannot put your finger on what it is because such and such is a sweetheart. Oh, no, such and such has never said anything bad or done anything bad. Or, but what's the fruit of their actions is what I want you to start asking yourself. The fruit of what you're doing could be way different than what you're actually saying and doing. But that's a whole nother conversation for another time. You understand? Okay, let's just keep going on. So again, what's the destination? To make our way downtown to the prayer house so that we can praise such Jesus. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You understand? That's what we're trying to do. And so it's funny to me that the fruit of that, I had to catch. I was like, she didn't, she didn't say anything bad. But as soon as it, as that, presence left her and maybe that could be your litmus test if you're not so sure about something being bad because it doesn't have the front face of something evil but it's making you feel exasperated or something negative inside do what Paul did rebuke it to see if it goes ahead and relieves or introduces what it really was stemmed from because once it left her immediately verse 19 says her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered so they grabbed Paul and Silas they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews oh now it's a problem what happened 
yeah, the demon no longer could hide in this woman anymore. And whatever it is that was going to be caused by this woman doing what she did. Um, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's not a problem until you inconvenience someone's ungodly living. Yeah, you can do all that you do, and I don't care nothing about what you're doing and saying. Yeah, you can come to me and, you know, you can come to your boss and say, hey, such and such is doing It's like, oh, okay. You can, you can continue to bring up something, but the moment you press against the nerve of somebody's ungodly living and you inconvenience that lifestyle, oh, it's a problem. How dare you come in here setting standards in this office? How dare you come in here with, with, with your standards in, in this particular place of organization, maybe even church? How dare you? Oh, now it's a problem that I pressed upon your ungodly lifestyle. I'm inconveniencing your ungodliness, huh? But again, we'll save that for another day. And it was just weird to me that with Paul and Silas, for them saying pretty much that one statement, letting a demon come out of this woman, that it produced all that extra, bruh, y'all had to go ahead, strip them, so you humiliated them, you then beat them severely, you threw them in jail, you then uh, clamped their feet, and then you had an assigned jailer just next to them just to make sure, y'all had to do E, all the above, y'all gave them the premium package because he rebuked somebody's uh, demonic presence out of somebody, seriously, it was that serious? I guess so. You'll be surprised the outcome uh, that occurs once you go ahead and inconvenience people. Once you go ahead and uh, show stop on some people. But again, we'll digress. You know, we'll, we'll digress. And so the part that got to me, because at this point, to be honest, being in Paul or Silas's shoes, I would have been upset. I am trying to make my way to prayer. Okay. This woman was inconveniencing me, so I went ahead and said, okay, excuse me, excuse me, in the spiritual realm, and then y'all going to do all this and then throw me somewhere, inconvenience me. Okay, so by this time, I ain't going to hold you. Um, I got something to say. But what got to me was that uh, Buddy got there and th they started singing. I'm sorry? Hold on. Hold on. Y'all really had the late in the midnight hour. God's going to turn it around and around and around and around and around. Yeah. Like y'all y'all was doing that. Um, Literally looking like the episode of Martin. I'm sure y'all faces were swollen and all kind of um speed bumps and, and low bumps, however you wanted to do it. And y'all went to these people's show and y'all started singing. Verse 25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Bro, y'all put on a gospel choir? And I'm sure your lip was bloody. I want to go ahead on the, on the limb and say that your, your, your tooth was chipped, okay? Um, eyes shut swollen, however that works. And you literally were praising and praying? Can I ask you a question? Does your outer expression in your life currently match your environment? Because what Paul was doing, that was mismatched. What would have matched would have been being like, yo, I'm so over this. God, can you? That that would have been in alignment. I, I can see that. I can see you going, oh, ooh, 
Oh, you know, because you were beaten severely. I, that that would have been aligned as well. It also would have been aligned for you to be like, I can't get no sleep. Paul, Silas, move. That would have been an alignment. But praying and singing hymns to God while severely beaten, while uh, be- you probably were still naked because you were stripped, while having your feet clamped, while having a jailer assigned to you, that doesn't match the environment. And so if you got nothing at all from that particular verse 25 offhand, it is you are not supposed to match your environment. You're supposed to create your environment. I don't know how Paul and Silas did it, but hats off to them. And again, what did it produce? Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations, all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Let me explain something to you, buddy. I would have been out of there. You hear me? Because again, I got somewhere to go. I got a place to be. It's, listen, <laughs> we got to go. We was trying to make it to the prayer house anyway. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to leave this town because these people out here are crazy. Okay, crazy. Uh, so we're going to go somewhere else. But let me real quick, um, Silas, you got something real quick? T- yeah, take that, take that, and take that. And listen, uh, I know y'all was hearing the same but it was nice meeting all y'all but I'm out of here it's nothing else to say verse 27 the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open he assumed the prisoners had escaped so he drew his sword to kill himself 28 but Paul shouted to him stop don't kill yourself we are all here 29 the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas 30 then he brought them out and asked sirs what must I do to be saved that kind of chin checked me in the spirit I ain't gonna hold you because operating in the spirit of divine destination (laughs) you know I I am hyper focused on sticking to a time frame sticking to a task not being delayed not being that I didn't even fathom that there could be such a thing as a divine delay if Paul would have took the first train smoking to get up out of there which would have been we would have all understood right if he would have said listen I'm out of here these people are (laughs) listen and listen and God gave me the blessing to go ahead and take these shackles and stuff I'm gonna take the blessing I'm up out of here had he done that the jailer would have killed himself, and this verse, this chapter would have never ended with him being saved, his entire household being saved. Sometimes we are too quick to act, and sometimes we need to ask God, is this a divine delay? Did you purposely put me in a position to be exasperated where I would respond because you know my wiring, where I would respond to this particular person slash demon in a way that would then cause this. It's like you conveniently aligned me to a place that you knew beaten to the point of ouch, but you know what? Not bad enough where I can't sing, why I can't pray, but that when these doors come open and these shackles come off that I will wait for your prompting before I go ahead and do anything else outside of this that I will wait for your prompting before I resume back to my destination 
literally this this whole entire chapter would have read differently this entire chapter but god knew sometimes he has to divinely delay inconvenience your plan maybe even cause you some pain just to save some souls according to his plan are you spiritually wise enough to know that if it's inconveniencing you maybe it is fueling God's plan that if it's frustrating you that is working perfectly according to God's plan you're supposed to be exasperated Because what you're getting ready to do from that is going to then go ahead and lead you to what God really has planned. This whole entire thing was set up for the jailer and his household to be saved. This whole entire thing from the woman chanting what she was chanting, from the from her owners being upset, from the people stripping them. This whole entire thing was set up to the perfect will of save this household. Remember, I told you in prior conversations that um, God always presents you with a problem and that he trusts that the way that he wired you, that this problem is going to produce the best parts of his plan. Because I ain't going to hold you. If I was uh, in this particular time span, okay, and old girl would have kept irritating me, I probably would have left and went somewhere else. She would have got these hands. I ain't going to hold you. Listen, judge me not. She would have got them hands. It would have been something where I wouldn't have particularly. It probably wouldn't have read like this. And or if it did, by the time that I would have received my miracle of everything opening up, I would have took the opportunity. Sometimes it is wisdom to just sit and wait on God. Sometimes it is wisdom in saying, God, I tried it my way in this particular place. I tried to go down for prayer. This woman was, and I see the fruit of doing it my way. What's your way? I tried to go ahead and approach my boss the way that I wanted to. What's your way? I tried to approach my significant other. I tried to approach my family member. I tried to approach fill in the blank situation or person my way. And it did not yield what I thought it was going to yield. But I know that if you allow me to get into this place, that there is a promise that you are using me to unlock according to your perfect will. So what is that? Because the last thing that I want is to see that I was led by my emotions from the rooter to the tutor, from me trying to get to the prayer, from me getting out, trying to go back to the prayer. However it is, I want to at some point stop and say, God, what what do you want me to do? Praise God for the moments of Selah, the moments of divine delays, the moments that give you just a little bit of time to go, all right, God, what's next? Because they were equipped, Paul and Silas, they could have went back and did exactly what they've been doing just somewhere else. But the thing that keeps kind of, that I'm trying to get an understanding of is how did Paul and Silas know that this jailer was going to kill himself? Because 
all verse 27 says is the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. When I looked at other verses, I don't see that this man said anything. I don't see that he was like, oh, my goodness, now what? I might as well kill myself. Like, I don't see that there was something that eluded to on the external in the physical realm that, oh, okay, let me stay because he's getting ready to do that. Oh, wait, I heard Buddy saying, you know, prior to the doors being open, if they escape some type of way, I'm just going to A, B, and C. So that leads me to believe if there was no physical, tangible way to identify what was going to happen, next then Paul understood that he had to be spiritually aligned with God which makes sense that prior to the doors opening what was he doing praying and singing praying and singing can I ask you something when you reach a place that you don't know what else to do when you reach a place that you're like, you know what, I did it my way. When you reach a place that I've done all that I know to do. When you reach the place of this is literally the end of my rope, God. Do you fill that space with prayer? I don't even want to challenge the singing part because I know that may be a little bit outside of our scope of spiritual, you know, maturity. But do you at least fill that space with prayer? Because that is the only thing that I can connect, that confirm that Paul knew what to do next because he didn't have the time or, or, or any other physical, tangible way to know. It was he was praying and singing. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and all that flew open. And then the jailer woke up. And then the next thing Paul said was, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer had to go turn on the lights and run back down to the dungeon to go see that that was true. So you mean to tell me this, but the jailer, Buddy's in a totally different space. He is in the dark and Paul was able to discern what to do next. That's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is not to be so destination driven but when you see that you are at an end of your rope, that you literally sense in the spirit through prayer, conversation with God on what your next step should be. Because literally the life-saving ingredient here was prayer. And if you're anything like me, you would have probably filled it a little bit with complaint and or took the opportunity to resume right back to your original plan. I want you to get to a place that you start looking at things differently. This entire Acts chapter 16 was literally mind-blowing all through because it shifted the way that I saw a thing. Down to that woman being demonic, when I read it, I'm like, I didn't read that she said anything demonic. Then with the way that they handled Paul and Silas, I'm like, dang, did it? Did y'all have to do all that? Strip them, beat them, throw them in jail, clamp their feet, the jealous. Like, oh my God, did it, did it really, did it yield all of that? Like, seriously? Buddy, you're singing and you're praying 
and you probably look like if the Bible says you were severely beaten, then I'm assuming there's some blood loss and you're not complaining, which means that you're creating the environment you want to feel. You're not going ahead and just matching the environment. This entire chapter shifted my, my normalcy. And so I wanted to challenge the fact that there is a such thing as being delayed, but it's divine delays. Oh, my goodness. Won't see things the same again after reading this. Absolutely. I, you can't. You literally, and I want you to. Let's go ahead and put a, a 2.0 on that challenge. In your own time, I want you to read this, this chapter and start at verse 16 because that's what I read from. And see the things that you would have had to challenge yourself on if you were living in this time. Because, again, reading this, you're like, hmm, well, I would have I handled that way differently. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole thing about the Bible is to strengthen you in places that you were either gray area on or that you were weak on. And whatever it is, it, it, it requires a strengthening. And the only way that you can get strengthened in an area is if you see, wow, I would have, I probably would have messed that up. And now you learned a new skill. Now you have a new tool on how to handle matters in your life. Do you see what I'm saying? I promise you. Won't look at life the same. I pro- I promise you, th- these particular nuggets from Act 16 really has me like, oh, oh, so I got to, <laughs> I have to, ooh, okay, not be so irritated when things don't kind of go according to plan, not call things good when they actually have a demonic presence, not be so quick to resume back to, yeah, it's a lot in here. It's a lot of gems. I want you to go back and pick them up, okay? So with that being said, uh, you know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you. Who else, okay, is going to admit to their own wrong, which is tea, pour the tea, fix the tea with you, and then sip it? Unbelievable. Who but your favorite homegirl? You understand? But listen, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. And uh, now that I said the thing about tea, I'm going to need some because my throat is feeling some kind of way. But we'll go ahead and talk again. Keep your phone nearby, okay? All right. Later.